0: once we use petroleum up, there won't be any of it left. So let's save it for things that we actually need. So I'm not anti-plastic. I'm anti-single-use plastic used in a silly way. Hey pals, welcome back to Pocket Money.
1: Sally here. Unfortunately, my... Fabulous co-host, Mark, is still traipsing around in the Amazonian jungle somewhere. Whether or not he's been eaten by an anaconda and will even come back to join me uh, remains to be seen. But in the meantime, I've wrangled our producer and fearless leader, Franco, to come chat to me. Hey, Franco, welcome.
2: Hello, everyone out there. I have a strange accent. I apologize. (laughs) Uh, So do I. Bringing some American flavor
1: to pocket money world. Exotic. I love it. Today, we're talking about the zero waste movement, uh, which is all about reducing our footprint, both in the way we consume, uh, but also dispose of the stuff that we use every day. In Australia, we use over 10 million plastic bags a day, which is wild. Uh, And according to OzHarvest, a third of all the food produced around the world is lost or wasted.
2: Obviously, because this is pocket money, bringing the conversation back to the economics of it is important as well. And I think that's a big part of why I was excited to encounter Anita Van Dyke, who we are speaking with later on today um, in this episode. Uh, She's originally born in China, but has sort of dual life in Sydney and San Francisco, where her partner lives. And yeah, she's a former rocket scientist, which is super interesting because she brings a lot of perspective to the zero waste movement from that world. And now she's a full-time medical student, um, and she definitely has a lot to say about the subject with some tangential areas of expertise. She's written a book called A Zero Waste Life in 30 Days, um, and she's actually working now on her second book. And yeah, she's got a great blog and a great Instagram with a lot of very practical resources, which we will get into in the episode.
1: Like you said, she brings so much perspective into it, but as well, you know, she has a young baby and she's studying full time, working full time, you know, so she isn't just like at home all day making like scrubs out of like essential oils and whatnot. (laughs) Like she has a lot going on. So it's like, if she can do this and make this her life, then, you know, we can probably use a, a keep cup and maybe meal prep. To avoid food wastage, right, Rango?
2: (laughs) Indeed. And it is so much more than that. I think a lot of these conversations end up being about the same things. But we definitely wanted to talk about some of the bigger, uh, more macro issues, especially when it comes to things like economic decisions. And is this actually expensive to do the the zero waste thing right?
1: And is it sustainable as well? Or is it just a fad? Uh, Which I think is a big question for a lot of people who are critiquing the movement right now.
2: Well, without any further ado, uh, here is Sally and Anita talking Zero Waste.
1: Let's do it. Welcome to Pocket Money, Anita. Thanks so much for joining me. Thank you for having me. Of course. So for those who don't know, uh, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got into the whole Zero Waste movement?
0: Yeah, sure. So let's rewind a few years back. (laughs) Uh, I was a rocket scientist, so I had a Bachelor of Aeronautical Space Engineering, so literally a rocket scientist. (laughs) (laughs) And I worked as an engineer for about seven years, and I climbed that corporate ladder thinking that more money equaled more success equaled a better life. That was the way I was brought up. And then about the age of, say, 27, 28, I went through what I call my quarter-life crisis. (laughs) It was a moment of realisation where I looked around a meeting room, much like the meeting rooms we all have around in offices around the world, and I looked at my boss, my big boss and the big boss. And I thought to myself, do I want to be these people in the next 5, 10, 15 years' time? And the shocking answer was No. And from there, it was a sort of an existential crisis where I had to reflect on my values, what I really wanted in my life. And to do that, I had to quit my job. So my husband looked at me and said, you're not coping. Just have a break from your job and start afresh. And so that's what I did. I quit my job and I had to make ends meet on one income because I had two incomes before and now I was only one. So for me, this environmental movement actually came from an economic factor before environmentalism. To make ends meet on one income meant going back to the frugal ways of my migrant roots. So both my parents originally native from China, and they had to live you know within their means. So that meant shopping secondhand, not wasting my food, and doing a whole bunch of other things which led me to realize there's so much more to living minimally than just saving money. It also meant saving resources and saving our planet.
1: Yeah, wow. So it started off as, I guess, a a practical route for you and then turned into, I guess, more of an ethical way of being.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And that kind of moral compass that came along with it was gradual. But with This time to reflect it allowed me to reflect on not only my finances but also the state of the planet and it's pretty dire Mm -hmm. but also (laughs) things aren't
1: looking good yeah
0: things aren't looking good but I'm also a climate optimist so there's so many ways we can do things in our everyday lives that can not only save money but also save the planet
1: Yeah, and I think it can be a little bit overwhelming right now, and it is a little bit doom and gloom out there. So for anybody who isn't aware or or wants to get started, can you tell us a little bit about what does a zero waste and, and minimalist lifestyle involve in a nutshell?
0: Yeah, so for me, a zero waste life means reducing your plastic consumption and also leaving a gentler footprint on the planet. That's it. So whatever that means for you, it could mean uh, I'm just going to you know, dip my toe into this environmentalism by not using plastic bags anymore. Or it could mean going down the rabbit hole and making your own beauty products and making your food from scratch to avoid all plastic packaging. Whatever level you're at, we should be comfortable to say that we're all part of the zero waste movement and that effort is the original goal uh, and not perfection as such.
1: Yeah, I think that's a really good point because it's quite easy to go out and buy a keep cup or use like canvas bags when you're shopping but I think when it comes down to it the biggest issue is that it's convenient you know the way that we we live right now you don't have to put in as much effort if you're just like yeah whatever I'll just buy whatever at the shops and if I throw it out I throw it out so was it difficult getting your husband and then obviously you you have a little baby as well uh, in the picture was it difficult I guess spreading you know this sort of lifestyle in the household because I feel like that would be the hardest part even sometimes living with a housemate you're like god damn can you just recycle?
0: (laughs) Yeah. Look, I always say, and I get this question quite often, I always say, teach, don't preach. So no one likes someone sitting on their high horse preaching to them that the merits of recycling. I just say, do it yourself and make those habits yourself swiftly, but also elegantly. And I like to say you should live an eco luxe life. So originally the you know environmentalists are very sexy, let's be honest. <laughs> We're seen as people who don't wear deodorant, don't shave their armpits, probably live in a commune somewhere out in the middle of nowhere. That's not how I live. I live in the heart of Sydney, in the inner city. I don't have a car because I walk everywhere, but also I like nice things but I buy them secondhand, So I like to live this eco-lux life. So not only is it saving my resources for the planet, but it's also using my monetary resources for things that truly matter. So when I do buy things, I now buy things in alignment with my values. So whether it be spending a little bit more on travel or buying carbon offsets whenever I travel, or when I buy something new, I buy it from a brand that aligns with my values. And that might be a little bit more, but I buy less, but I buy better now. Like I said, it was a gradual process which I kind of showed towards my husband. So it was emulating these everyday values that he saw, hey, it's not actually not that hard. It's not that hard buying secondhand. It's not hard uh, looking after your waste. It's not hard reducing your food waste. And he saw that it wasn't hard, then he did it himself. So it wasn't a, a pushing or a nagging wife. No one wants that <laughs> or a pushing or nagging friend. You just got to show that it is possible and it can be done with just simple habit switches.
1: Yeah. And I think it can seem really overwhelming at first. You're like, where do I begin? But I guess that that is a good place to start just by every day. What can I do today Yeah, to maybe cut back? I do love the eco-lux term and I feel like that's what we're seeing all over Instagram right now. I would say that zero waste and minimalism is definitely, it's definitely like a trend that's been picking up, which may be a good thing. But it's kind of a, a bit of a new concept as well over the last few years. So why do you think it's been picked up so widely and so fervently You know now?
0: I think because we're in a time that people care more. And also, like you say, the power of Instagram, the power of hashtags, where one image can capture a lot. So we're seeing images across the world where there's whales with plastic bags in them. We're seeing ibises being killed with bottle caps. We're seeing the state of plastic pollution where we can see micro particles in our waters and it's in our waterways. So these really vivid images are really like you say, trending through Instagram. And then there's the counter image of what a minimalist zero waste person looks like, which is a cleaner way of living, a simpler way of living. And people are contrasting those images and saying, well, you know what, not only is it aesthetically pleasing, but it's also a gentler way to live. So why wouldn't I want to do that? Because if you think about it, plastic is actually really ugly. So, right, plastic packaging, plastic is brightly coloured. When you go back to a simpler, zero-waste, minimalist kind of way of living, it is clean lines, it's natural materials, it's quality over quantity. People see that and it's something that they aspire to. So I think Instagram has really helped with the movement
1: which is definitely interesting, but I've seen a few critiques out there as well. Um, I saw an Architectural Digest article that claimed that we've, you know, fetishized this whole minimalist movement and that it's not sustainable and that it's just a new form of consumerism. So what do you think about comments like that?
0: I think it's rooted in um, people who want to buy more things. So Obviously, when you're an Instagram or some sort of social media platform, there are people going out there who are going to pimp things, right? Because <laughs> that's, that's the nature of how they make their income. But what I say and the first step of my book, A Zero Waste Life, is to reduce. That's the first step. The second step is a low waste option. And then the third step is a zero waste option. Now, the reduce your waste option means firstly, using up what you have. So when you talk about, you know, a plastic drink bottle, if you've had one that you've been using for years and years and years, Keep using it for years and years and years. And when it finally disintegrates and breaks down, invest in something that's high quality, so an insulated stainless steel drink bottle. And that's your new kind of zero waste option. And a really simple way is go around your house and say, how many cleaning products do I have? So gather them all in one place. They're all in plastic bottles, and I'm sure they're made out of you know chemicals that we can't even pronounce, right? So gather them all in one place. You'll probably have about on average seven to 10. Use them all up. And then you'll realize once you use them all up, use the containers and make your own all-purpose spray. And a simple one that I like to recommend is just vinegar. So 50% vinegar, 50% water. You can put in some lemon peels if you want, just for some fragrance or some essential oils. And that can be your new all-purpose spray that is cheap and you're using up the bottle, which you already had at home in the first place. So that's really simple.
1: Yeah, I think that's a good point. It's not all about the, you know, Marie Kondo, I'm just going to hug all of my possessions and then throw them in the garbage and then replace them with keep cups and stainless steel bottles.
0: Exactly. I mean, I love Marie Kondo, more power to her, Mm -hmm. but she just does the decluttering part of it. And she doesn't talk about the next part, which is where do these items go? From there, And a lot of it is sent to landfill. I always say responsibly declutter. Uh, So to do that, you may want to donate things to other places other than just charity stores. So think more broadly. Hospitals often need lots of toys and blankets and things that they might accept. Childcare centres, dog rescue centres need blankets and towels and things such as that. So think more broadly than just your local charity shop where you can dump things.
1: Yeah, that's a good point because I read that after, especially after the Marie Kondo Netflix series, that a lot of charity shops were being inundated with old clothes and they were like, we don't have the resources to deal with all of this. And then sometimes it was ending up in landfill anyway. So that's good to know that there are other options that are probably just as easy to drop them off as a charity shop. Or
0: do a free cycle option. Just post it up on Facebook Marketplace or um, Gumtree or whatever it is and say free or do it the old-fashioned way, which is just put it outside your front of your house with a note saying "free," <laughs> <laughs> and neighbours will come and collect it. And That's so true; it'll be guaranteed to be snapped up in seconds. Exactly, exactly.
1: <laughs> and again, on the the devil's advocate side. do you think there are downsides of banning and reducing plastic for example like increased demand for high impact products like cotton bags that we use instead of plastic when we're shopping apparently they need to be used 173 times more before they're better than plastic for the environment whereas I think people are like oh no I can just like buy 10 bags and then that's good. Um, So there are kind of other considerations to think about, right?
0: I think people always think that we need to buy something new to solve the problem, right? Whenever we go out to, you know, have a new kind of transformation, we need to think that we need to buy a whole new outfit to look the part. It's like being zero waste Barbie. We have to have the (laughs) outfit to look for it. But really, so the problem you talked about there is plastic bags. Let's not use virgin materials to make cotton bags. There is so much landfill. There's so much recycled cotton that we can t- utilize that we can take advantage of. We just talked about landfill issues when it comes to disposing items. You don't need to buy a new bag. You can make a, a cotton bag very easily from your old bed sheets. Okay, some cotton uh, flattened pajamas that you don't like anymore. You can just do it. There's easy tutorials online that you can do so simply in a snap that it doesn't matter. Don't use virgin materials. Use what you have first.
1: And when you got started, were there areas of your life that you found especially difficult to apply this philosophy to?
0: So I think the hardest part of living a zero waste life is that you've become more aware of the plastic around you. It's a German phenomenon. There's a German term for it where if you have a red car, you see more red cars. So now that you live a zero waste life and there's less plastic in your life, you see all the plastic and rubbish around you. So I become more aware. That's the only main issue that I've had. Another issue I've had is a lot of questions about, because I'm training to be a doctor, is medical waste. So I used to be an engineer for seven years and I have no qualms about plastic as a resource. It was invented for a reason. It's lightweight, it's durable and it's waterproof. It's also made out of petroleum which is a non-renewable resource. So once we use petroleum up, there won't be any of it left. So let's save it for things that we actually need. So I'm not anti-plastic, I'm anti single-use plastic used in a silly way. You know, things for like prosthetics or waterproof things that we need in hospital, of course that makes sense that we use plastic. Ships or engineering projects that need waterproof items, of course it makes sense that we use plastic. However, we don't need plastic for the two bananas that we're carrying from the supermarket to our car, all right? <laughs> so it's, it's about, you know, using plastic as a non-renewable resource and treating it like a precious resource that it is.
1: It really begins with the right mindset, right? So how can people make steps towards this if it is a massive change for them mentally, let alone physically what they're doing every day?
0: I always say start with small things. So small things done every day make a big cumulative difference. And also the ripple effect that you have towards others can increase the difference that you're making. The top three tips I have for people starting on a zero waste life is firstly replace your disposables with your reusables. So I like to create a little zero waste kit. So in my zero waste kit, I have the four most common items found in beachside cleanups. So firstly, that is a reusable drink bottle. Secondly, I have a cloth napkin. Thirdly, I have a reusable coffee cup. Fourthly, I have a cotton bag, so to replace plastic bags. And finally, I have a stainless steel straw. Or, as I like to tell people, we have a mouth. We don't need a straw (laughs) most of the time. (laughs) So just say no to the straw. Um, so those things are most commonly found in beachside cleanups and with my little zero waste kit which you 'll see in my bag later on, I just transfer it from handbag to handbag wherever i 'm going. it's really easy. I have a little cotton bag and i 'm off I go and it 's a simple way to reduce your waste on when you 're out and about probably by eighty percent so it 's really quickly done. so that 's my first tip. My second tip is to buy second hand. There's so much stuff out there. We're living in a very privileged Western world. Everything from Gumtree to eBay to Facebook Marketplace. We live in a generation where fashion is 52 seasons a year. Our mothers and our grandmothers only had four seasons a year. There's something new at the shops every week, if not every day. So the trends that we're seeing are already out there. We don't need to buy anything new. We can buy it secondhand. Not only do you save money, you're saving the resources at the same time. And my third tip is to get out into nature. We have to understand what we're fighting for. I, you know, used to work in an office job. I used to work from about 7am to 7pm. I never saw the light of day for about a decade. And I'm sure this is very common for all of us. We're so disengaged from the natural world, we don't even know where our food comes from. I would like to say on the weekends, get the train out, or drive out somewhere, or go swimming, go for a bush walk, go hiking, go somewhere new that you haven't explored in your city, in your state, whatever it may be. And you can see what you're fighting for, that nature is out there and it's really precious and it doesn't have a voice. So we have to give it a voice.
1: Yeah. And I'm sure when you make those trips as well, you'll probably see a bunch of plastic straws and bags along the way as well. So if that doesn't inspire you, I don't know what will.
0: Yeah. And at the same time, the optimistic side of it is you'll see the glory of nature, that she is robust, that she can rebuild, but we've got to give her a chance. So to do that, we can do simple things every day to help her along that process.
1: You mentioned, you know, a lot of us are working, you know, long days. We're so disconnected with the environment that we're living in. But I think as well, we're so time poor. I think maybe that's as well where some of the I guess, challenges for this movement are like, yeah, you can get a keep cup and and whatnot, but maybe making your own beauty products or making your own cleaning products just seems like a lot of effort. Uh, And there have also been arguments out there that um, this lifestyle is for either, you know, like the rich and privileged or just people with a lot of time on their hands. But
0: I am neither. (laughs) So I come from a migrant background and the lessons I've learned from living a zero-waste life all come from my parents who had to live this way within their means. It's a new thing that our generation has to come up with that we have to have something new every week, that it's uh, seen as convenient to buy food from the supermarket in plastic packaging that you can reheat. But look at the economical cost of that. A little bit of meal prepping goes a long way. Use your freezer. What I do, and let's be honest, I live a very full life. I am a mother of an eight-month-old child. I'm studying full-time medicine. I've written a book and I'm also writing another book that's coming out in 2020. I also do Instagram and I do podcasts like this. I live a very full life and I get very tired. The whole reason why I turned to living a zero-waste minimalist life is that it was actually easier. So when I talk about Making my own beauty products, it literally takes me about 15 minutes with ingredients from the pantry that I already have and then I make that and it lasts me for three to six months. One of my favourite things that I like to make is my miracle cleansing oil. I call my miracle cleansing oil, it costs less than $5 to make. There's so many cleansing oils on the market out there, and they're probably about $30, $60. By the time you drive out, buy your cleansing oil and come back, you could have made it yourself from your pantry. And the recipes on my blog and book, but it's just less than five ingredients and it works. And I've got such good feedback from it because if you go back to these simple ingredients, these pure ingredients, they actually work because we're not inundating ourselves with chemicals and we're not being seduced by the marketing that goes along with it right a lot of the stuff that we think we need we actually don't someone else is telling us that so I have to counter that and saying living a minimalist life has actually given me more time and more freedom to do the things I want to do which is less cooking less cleaning less everything so that I can focus on things such as looking after my child and studying full-time medicine
1: and how have you found this experience to impact your, your finances?
0: Look, I get that all the time because people are saying, oh, bulk shopping, it's very expensive. But really, I found that living a zero waste life has reduced my expenses overall by 30%. And I'll tell you why. Firstly, I buy secondhand, as I mentioned before. But before that, I buy less. So I used to be the type of person who was seduced by fast fashion. So I used to succumb to that a lot. Every week I probably had something new, something that I wanted to wear. Nowadays I buy less, but I buy better. And I buy brands that I love, high quality pieces, second hand, which is also cheaper. Secondly, I also spend less on my overall health needs. So I used to see the doctor a lot because we work long hours, like you say. I used to eat a lot of convenience food. I wasn't the healthiest and so I had to visit a lot of doctors, had a lot of medications and probably had a lot of supplements because, you know, we all think that the next supplement will help us. However, what I found that living a zero-waste life has actually allowed me to have a zero-waste diet. So I stripped back the processed food, the packaging food, which I really horrible for us, and I'm eating natural foods, so things without packaging, and my health has gotten better and my weight has naturally maintained itself. So that has really helped overall. Bulk shopping, I only do once a month. Because if you think about it, All the dry goods that you're getting from your bulk shopping, you don't need to buy every week. It's your fresh produce that you need every week. So you're saving time overall by not driving to the shops to pick up your oats and then your cereal and whatever. You're going once a month, you have a list and you stick to that list. Sticking to that list means that you save money and you're not buying things on a whim. And thirdly, I also meal prep. So meal prepping on a Sunday evening, I spend about an hour or two and I put things in the freezer, I put things in the fridge, I have all my lunches for the week. And that really saves money overall. If you think about how much you spend on morning tea, coffees, and then lunch, and then maybe an afternoon snack, that's easily $30 a day. If you meal prep and do all those snacks and all your drinks, before you even start the week, you're saving hundreds of dollars a week and that accumulates to thousands of dollars a year. And that could be your plane ticket somewhere fun at the end of the year rather than frivolous things like that.
1: And then you also eliminate the choice paralysis that comes every 12.30. When you're like, what am I going to have for lunch today? Exactly. (laughs) Decision
0: fatigue. It's a real problem.
1: And how do you navigate things like e-waste in 2019? You know, like a new phone comes out every year. Uh, You know, we have lithium batteries everywhere. And I think that as much as some people, you know, do want the new model every year. Also, the sad thing is, is that like after two years, my phone just breaks anyway. Yeah. So even if I do want to be you know, more sustainable and I'm not chasing after the latest model, it's still something I'm having to buy every couple of years.
0: Yeah. So it's called planned obsolescence and it's a huge thing in the tech industry. My husband actually works in the tech industry in Silicon Valley. And so he notes he's this firsthand. So I have to say we as consumers vote with our dollar if we push back against these big organisations and question these things, which we have, have you noticed that now, um, especially Apple have said, you know, any system upgrades doesn't make the phone slower. So any old models of the phones you have, it used to make it so slow, now it doesn't. They've committed to that. So that planned obsolescence is being slowly, you know, lengthened at least, if hopefully not phased out in the future, so that we can use our phones for more than, say, two years. I've had my phone for about three years, and it is an older model, and I have no plans to upgrade even though I really want a jazzier camera but at the same time it's saving resources and also saving me money because I actually have to think do I actually need a jazzier camera no I don't I'm not an Instagram model so no one needs you know a jazzier (laughs) camera (laughs) so really in our day-to-day lives the cameras that we have are fine so you know if I save money there I can use it towards more important things that I want to do.
1: And beyond the products we buy, what about services such as banking and superannuation and investing? Yeah. Um, Because there are some more ethical choices than others. But uh, I guess you have to weigh up the costs versus the benefits, right?
0: I think, as we say with anything, our money has to be spent in alignment with our values. This is something I had to learn the hard way. Climbing the corporate ladder, I realised that I was spending money to look a certain way to have status, to be seen as wearing the right things, having designer labels, designer shoes, etc., etc., to be seen a certain way. But that's just a facade. If we spend our money in alignment with our true values, we can actually feel better internally and it shows externally as well. Because at the end of our lives, no one's going to care if you wore a Louis Vuitton handbag. People are going to care if you're a decent person the kind of friend you are, the kind of mother that you are. So I always like to think of that and how I use my money. A thing that I'm really learning about as I go along is a thing called divestment. Divesting into things that aren't going to cause our planet harm. So whether it be coal-fired stations or areas of mining that people are investing to, it's about putting my money where my values are. To do that, there are a lot of superannuation brands out there that allow divestment into clean energies. So I would invite your listeners to have a look at that. And also banking in general, your everyday banking. Where are they investing their money? Ask them that question and you'll be surprised. A lot of them is still putting money into fossil fuels and things like that. So go to a bank that is investing in green energy you know, the green revolution is coming, whether we like it or not, because petroleum is a dying industry. It's a non-renewable resource. So why wouldn't we as savvy young people invest into a renewable resource? It just makes financial sense. So that's something I'm going into in the future and having a look at.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. And I think that's the hard thing is that, you know, banks aren't going to outright say, like, guess what? We're investing in this new mine that's Mm. opening. You know, so you do have to do your research. So we'll make sure to chuck some resources in the show notes. Um, We recently launched Green Finder for the exact same thing to help people find super accounts and energy providers and whatnot that align with their values. Because sometimes it's hard to know what the bank's values are and how they compare to yours.
0: Absolutely. And they hide that information. So I think Green Finder is something I'm going to have a look at <laughs> when, I, <laughs> when I finish this podcast. So thank you for the tip.
1: Shameless play <laughs> my favourite kind. <laughs> okay, so we're going to break up some of these questions with a few. I've got a fast five Uh, for you. So we've mentioned cleaning products, beauty, but what are some other surprisingly easy things to replace in the household? So I've got a few things that people may not know that you can replace um, with alternatives. So let's start with toilet paper.
0: Toilet paper. You can use a bidet. (laughs) I don't use one, but you can use one. It's a $30 installation that you can do on yourself at Bunnings kind of thing. But you can also just use, I love a company called Who Gives a Crap, which is they deliver it to your door made of recycled paper. Uh, There's no plastic involved and they also donate to charities. So that's a really easy option.
1: What about laundry detergent?
0: Laundry detergent you can make yourself. That's really easy. You can buy some from the bulk store as well. Or you can use a concentrated mix and then dilute it. So then you can have lots and lots of washes without having the big excess packaging that you need.
1: And here's a fun one. Tampons. Ooh. (laughs) Very sexy. (laughs) We're talking
0: menstruation this (laughs) early in the morning. Um, So I like to use a thing called a menstrual cup. It was recommended to me by a surgeon, actually, because it's made of a medical grade silicone cup and that you insert much like a tampon. It's great because you only need to take it out, rinse it every eight hours. So it makes sense for a surgeon to use it so she doesn't have to run to the bathroom every you know, two hours or so. Not only is it hygienic, it's actually very handy. Great for people who are going hikes or traveling as well.
1: And what about rubbish bin liners?
0: Ooh, OK. So I say this is controversial. Don't use a liner at all. Or if you really need one, use newspaper. Because if you think about it, right, all the bin juices are from your wet rubbish. If you compost, if you put your bones in a bokashi bin, you don't actually have any wet rubbish anymore. All the rubbish that you have less is like bits of plastic that you can't recycle. So you don't really need a bin liner. And if you do, just wrap it up in some newspaper. So then, you know, any of the juices don't leak out and just throw into the bin that way.
1: Wow, I really really thought I was going to be stumped on that one. (laughs) Life hack. I love it. And then finally, what about a couple of the products that we might find
0: in in our makeup bags? Back to the three steps. So reduce, low waste and zero waste. So reduce your waste is use up what you have first. And I'm not kidding you, if you do what I call a project pan, which is hitting pan for every bit of your makeup, it'll take you years to go through your makeup years. By the time you're done, then you can look at options that have low-waste packaging. So cardboard packaging, metal containers, things like that, glass, which is uh, uh, um, some brands that I like to use, use cardboard packaging or glass. And then the zero-waste option is to make your own. And it can be really fun, such as beetroot powder for blush. That's really handy and really simple. I also like to use cacao powder as a dry shampoo because I have dark hair. For people with lighter hair, they can use cornflour. So things like that. It's really simple and it's better for your skin as well.
1: And better for the environment. Absolutely. Okay, now we're going to get on to dental hygiene. What about floss and toothbrushes and toothpaste?
0: Okay, so floss, I like to use a brand called EcoFloss, which biodegrades and comes in a glass container, and it's 5 bucks you can get it online. So it's not that much more than your normal floss. So easy. Toothbrush, I like to use a bamboo toothbrush. You just have to be careful cuz some brands out there the bristles don't biodegrade, but the the bamboo does, so you just have to find a brand that or biodegrades, and toothpaste you can make your own. Mm. Yeah, and the recipes in my book. If you obviously check with your dentist, if you have dental hygiene problems or dental issues or sensitive teeth or whatnot, and you have to use a toothpaste, try to look for ones that are in a uh, aluminium container that you can recycle. Or if you do need to use a standard one, send it to TerraCycle, which is a really great company within Australia and also around the world where you can send in things that are difficult to recycle such as toothpaste containers. So what I like to do is collect a few or get your friends and family or in an office like this have a TerraCycle box. Everyone can bring it in and once there's a big enough box you can send it off to TerraCycle to be recycled.
1: That's a really good idea, especially for offices where you do have so many people. You know, sometimes you're like, oh, yeah, like I'll save these like bottle caps or whatever it is or toothpaste, you know, at the home. And then you kind of sometimes I just forget about it. Whereas in the office, if there's a box there and everybody's chucking it in, you can recycle once a month.
0: Exactly. And then they'll send it off easy.
1: And if our listeners had one key takeaway from your advice today to get started, one thing that they could do after listening to this, what would it be?
0: I would say ban the bottle so we live in a beautiful country where we have easy drinking water there's no need for a plastic bottle there's so many tips around this firstly you can drink from a tap or bubbler straight from the tap or bubbler when you're passing a cafe and you're getting a bit thirsty and you think you need a bottle of water just stop at the cafe and ask can I have a glass of water nine times out of ten they're gonna say yes and it's free so that saves you then. when you're having a meal choose the eat-in option and always ask for water so that you're hydrated or simply just wait until you get home if you don't have a stainless steel drink bottle with you. We're not going to die of dehydration. You can possibly wait until you get home if need be. The stainless steel bottle which I have right next to me is a handy investment. I've had it for years and years and it's really as simple as that BYO bottle.
1: And where can people find more information about you and also just more resources if they really want to get into this zero-waste lifestyle?
0: Yeah, so I have a book out that's published by Penguin called A Zero Waste Life in 30 Days. And it's a simple 30-day guide that can transition people from living a wasteful life into a more zero-waste life. I also have an Instagram called Rocket underscore Science where I have daily tips on living a zero-waste life. And if you want to find anything more, just look at my website, which is anitavandyke.com.
1: Great. We'll make sure to pop all of those links into our show notes. Thank you so much, Anita. I've learned so much. Excited to go home and make some beetroot blush. (laughs) (laughs) Looking fabulous.
0: (laughs) Thank you very much for having me.
1: Thanks, guys. Happy recycling. Thanks for listening, everyone. I hope you're inspired to save the planet now. Uh, If you enjoyed the episode, feel free to leave us a a nice review and. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at Pocket Money Podcast and also our Facebook group for some tips, but also some spicy memes. And uh, also, usually Franco's the one forcing Mark and I to encourage you guys to subscribe, but it's his turn.
2: (laughs) Yeah, this, uh, you know, the show is just kind of getting started. We're, We're still in our first season, finding our feet. And, you know, if you did enjoy this episode or any of the episodes, whether that's about the fire movement or how much it costs to get divorced um you know, <laughs> we're really exploring uh, money from a lot of new angles here so if if you found anything interesting please share it with a friend uh and we will obviously be available on instagram and on our social medias just for any ideas or feedback or all that sort of stuff uh we'll get sally on the uh, other side of the dm
1: get ready for some gifts
2: here <laughs> yeah, they come simpsons gifts <laughs> Is that more you or Mark?
1: <laughs> no, that's a damn, uh, I feel like that's both of us. But maybe I would also add like some Britney Spears and Disney okay. gifts. Okay. Maybe even, you know, a little bit of Ozzy
2: Osbourne. Well, thanks for listening, everyone. We will see you in a couple weeks.
1: Bye. Thanks for listening to Pocket Money from Finder. Head over to finder.com.au slash podcast for the show notes for this episode. The Finder podcast is intended to provide you with tips, tools and strategies that will help you make better decisions. Although we're licensed and authorized, we don't provide financial advice. So please consider your own situation or get advice before making any decisions based on anything in our show. Thanks for listening.
2: We need someone doing that.
1: (laughs) That's you. Oh, my God. We could start like a pocket money acapella group. (laughs) Yes. Oh, my God.